Welcome back to I Love You. I know. I'm Amanda. And I'm Kevin. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and Star Wars. But it's mostly about Star Wars. And this week it really is mostly about Star Wars because we're back home. We had an awesome time at our friend's wedding. And we are ready to talk about the final uh, season of The Clone Wars and the finality of uh, Kevin's favorite character, Ahsoka Tano. So, uh, just to give you guys a brief overview of what we're going to go through today... We are looking at season five, the last four episodes, which basically tells Ahsoka Tano's final tale. We are looking at season six, which is known as the lost episodes, but I don't really think that they're lost um, so much as they just didn't get uh, the due notice and respect that they were worthy of. Yeah, I mean, they, they never aired um, as part of the original run of the show. They were online only um, in, with the old Disney Now service, and then now they're part of Disney+. Plus. Then the reason they're called Lost was is they were produced, but they were never uh, like aired in the regular time slot. Oh, that's fair because Disney XD really catered to a younger generation, and that final season is pretty mature. It is. So uh, the final season, there the main storylines are an Order sixty six preview, which spans the first four episodes. Uh, then we've got three episodes uh, that really doesn't do much other than show us uh, about what a messed up marriage might look like. And uh, there's some jealousy between uh, Anakin Skywalker, Padme Amidala, and uh, a former boyfriend, I guess, this guy named Clovis, which we really won't get into. It's not that important. Um, We've got two episodes with Jar Jar Banks and Mace Windu, which we also really won't get into. Uh, All I'll tell you about that is that uh, Mace Windu really doesn't enjoy his time with Jar Jar Binks, and I did not enjoy those two episodes. Kevin? Yeah, they're not really great. Um, You know, the only interesting thing that happens in there is that Mother Talzin comes back one more time trying to resurrect herself and is finally defeated, and uh, the Night Sisters are truly dead. All right, so that that's all you guys need to know about that. We saved you forty five minutes. You don't have to watch those two episodes. Oh, also, Jar Jar makes up makes out with that lady. Oh yeah, that's weird too. You don't want to see that. No, no, you really don't. I, I mean, we want people to like live their best lives, enjoy their relationships in a safe setting, but uh, I I don't want to see that particular situation. No, no. Um, it, it, there's one action-packed episode that basically uh, brings forward the entire sifo uh storyline, which I think we'll, we'll spend some time talking about. And then lastly, there's uh, three episodes that are about Yoda going through some kind of mystical journey to learn more about the Force, which we'll also talk about. So let's get into it, Kevin. Um, Ahsoka Tano's Last Stand. Give us an introduction, synopsis. Sure. So this uh, the story sort of starts with um, uh, Ahsoka and Anakin being called back to Coruscant from the front in the war because uh, a terrorist has bombed a hangar at the Jedi Temple. And because it's possible that a Jedi was involved, they wanted it to be investigated by two Jedi who were clearly not there and clearly not involved. And so... Um, Anakin and and Ahsoka are kind of incredulous. They get paired up with um, an investigation droid that's kind of the comic relief for the thing. And through their investigation, they discover that um, someone had uh, planted nanobot explosives in her husband who worked in the temple, and that caused the explosion. And so they, they catch this perpetrator, put her in prison, and Ahsoka goes to confront her and interrogate her, and somebody force chokes 
the bomber. And on the security hollows, it looks very clearly like Ahsoka did it. She, of course, says she didn't do it. Um, and uh, she's arrested for murder. So basically, we see the video um, without any sound of her, like, kind of waving her arms up in the air, trying to, like, go, oh, my gosh, what's happening? But really, her arm gesticulations kind of looked more like uh, force choking. Yeah. Yeah, not great. Yep, not great. Uh, The other thing that's important to note is that the Jedi already don't trust each other to the point where they are not willing to have some Jedi who is already on Coruscant involved in the investigation. That's right. And so once Ahsoka is arrested, um, uh, what is he now? He's an admiral now, Tarkin, um, comes to the Jedi Council and says she needs to be tried in a Senate court because she killed or they, they basically finger her as the mastermind behind the bombing and that she had killed off this other woman to you know, hide, you know, hide her steps or whatever. And they said, because clones died, it was a Senate matter and she needed to be tried in a Senate court. And the Jedi council said, well, we can't do that because she needs to be brought to Jedi justice. So they decided to try her in the, um, what's that, what was the name of that room? It was like the, the chamber of judgment or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So the Jedi have this really creepy room called the chamber of judgment where they pass judgment on Jedi, I guess. And they decide to expel Ahsoka from the Jedi Order, which then sets her up to be tried by the Senate. And they didn't really, like, do a legit trial either. So, like, they'd already passed judgment and just had a formality. Yeah, I mean, they implied that, like, they all meditated and the Force guided them to do that. But they basically decided that it was expedient to just kick her out and let her be tried rather than try to figure out what happened. So um, Ahsoka's not having that, so she breaks out of prison. Um, and, um, manages to do it without killing any clones, but she, you know, she, she escapes. They send Anakin to pursue her, which is a kind of a weird choice. So Anakin and Plo Koon are assigned to bring her to justice. And during her flight, she encounters Asajj Ventress, who's working as a bounty hunter now because she's, you know, been her whole thing with Dooku is over. And, um, she's about to bring Ahsoka in as a bounty and Ahsoka convinces her to help approve Ahsoka's innocence and in exchange she'll get Asajj's name cleared and so then they run around and have some misadventures ultimately she gets caught again um, because the real person behind the whole scheme sabotages the two of them and Ahsoka stands trial and just before she's convicted uh, Padme is her, her sort of her lawyer in this sort of sham trial in the senate just before she's convicted uh, Anakin runs in with a confession from the real bomber who is another Jedi Padawan who uh, is named Barris Ophi. Who we met in season two, I believe. There was an adventure on some planet. There were two Jedi Knights and two Padawans, and the Padawans had to go out on their own, and the Jedis went out together. And so this kind of shows us how quickly disillusioned that the Jedi are becoming with the, the Council, the sense of order that they're supposed to have, their mission. Um, and, and we hear Barris say that this red lightsaber, at one point she uh, steals Ventress's lightsaber, she says, this suits me better. Um, you can tell that there's a lot of things going on that are causing people to lose faith in the Jedi Order. That's right. And so during her confession to the Chancellor and the Senate, um, Barris kind of declares, maybe the Jedi are the ones who have really turned to the dark side 
they're fighting this war for what appear to be no reasons and they're continuing to fight this war when they could be looking for a peaceful solution and she she kind of says the jedi order has lost their way so they kind of take her away and then the, the council meets and decides to invite ahsoka to rejoin the jedi order and, and regain her rank and she turns them down yeah, and I, I think that this is important because a thousand years ago we had the wars between the Jedi and the Sith and Hoth had lost focus of what the actual mission was. He was the general leading the Jedi troops and essentially he lost his way and that allowed the Sith to rise to power. And, you know, I, I think that here we are a thousand years later and a very similar thing is happening. That's right. And this, of course, impacts Anakin very deeply. I mean, he's basically handing her her Padawan uh, braid back and she pushes him away and walks out and he chases after her and says, what are you doing? This is your life. And she says, I, you know, I'm just not sure about the council anymore. I mean, they, they all rejected me and were going to let me go to jail forever. And, um, and he kind of confesses to her that he's thought about leaving the order too. And so this is just another, this, and, and this is really what the whole point of the Clone Wars show is sets up the fact that Anakin is really feeling betrayed by the Jedi Council. He's not feeling it. His dark side came out a little bit when he was interrogating Ventress. Um, and he's getting more and more into that sort of mode that we're going to see him turn in uh, in episode three. So it's going to make that, that turn seem a lot less sudden when you've really heard all of these things and then you hear about you know what finally happens to him. It makes a lot more sense with this. And this is just another step in that journey. And I like the idea that Ahsoka is gone from the show but she's not been killed so there's the possibility that she can show up in additional content I like the fact that she kind of teams up with Ventress you know Ventress we may have forgotten about her but she's still out there so she may show up as well there's a force wielder out in the universe that is morally flexible um, so that may come up in additional content in the future which I hope it does so yeah. Uh, that, that moves us into season six. So Order 66, uh, this is a preview of, of what's to happen in episode three. Kevin, just tell everyone high level what Order 66 is. Yeah, so Order 66 is um, basically the order to the clone army to kill their Jedi generals. Um, and when we see it happen in episode three prior to this, it just seems like a compulsion or that the clones are just really good at following orders. But what this little story arc shows is that it's even deeper and more insidious than that. Uh, yeah, so this just goes on for way too long. We didn't need four episodes for this. Um, but long story short, over the span of four episodes, there's Tup, who's a clone who goes rogue and he kills a Jedi. There's Fives, who's another clone who's friends with Tup and can't possibly believe his buddy would go crazy like this and wants to investigate it. There's this weird Kaminoan, uh, or as Kevin likes to say, Kamen... How do you say it? Kaminoan. Kaminoan. I don't know the right answer, but Kaminoan. Uh, there's a Jedi uh, named Shock T and this weird flying droid that's kind of a doctor, kind of the comic relief. And those are kind of the main characters over four episodes. And they investigate this uh, this death. Yeah. And and the really interesting part, so so the, the long and short of it is that um, he, he the, all of the clones have a chip in their head that that will govern their behavior under certain circumstances, which includes Order 66. In the Legends canon, there are actually 150 such orders that are programmed into them, but in the in the uh, true canon, only Order 66 is is ever invoked. We don't know what the other 150 are, but 149. Um, but Tup's chip malfunctioned, and 
the what what we discover through all of this are a few things. One, we see that the that the chip exists. Two, the Jedi start getting a little bit suspicious that there's something going on that may be dangerous for them. Three, we clearly see the Kaminoans are liaising with uh, Darth Tyrannus uh, during this whole thing and helping to cover up the chip from the Jedi. And so we now know that the Kaminoans weren't just dupes. The Kaminoans are willing accomplices with the Sith in the creation and propagation of the Clone Wars, most likely for their own profit, right? I, they're, they're, not they're not explicitly evil, but they do everything they can to prevent the Jedi from finding out about this um, and knowingly communicate with Darth Tyrannus, who they know to be Count Dooku, who they know to be the leader of the army that their army is fighting. Right, and it just goes back to war profiteering, which we learned about, I want to say in season four, maybe, when uh, Kamino was invited to be part of the uh, Republic. And so, you know, just kind of looking at that as, you know, there's a financial incentive for them to continue the war. There's a financial incentive for them to partner with the Separatists to continue the war. And, and that's not great. No, not great. So this whole big long thing happens, and basically in the end, the chip is extracted from Tup's brain. They all confront it. They talk about it. Tup dies, um, and um, and the the nature of the chip is still hidden from the Jedi. They basically claim that it's a tumor, and they never really figure it out. But some of the clones do, and this becomes important because Fives and Rex and a couple other uh, members of the Five O First are now aware that they have control chips in their heads. And um, they make it sort of a little side quest of their own to get rid of them. But in the meantime, the rest of like this is just a preview of what's going to happen when Order 66 gets invoked um, to begin the slaughter of the Jedi. Right. And not surprisingly, uh, Chancellor Palpatine is kept in the loop on all of this. He realizes he's been dealt a little bit of a curveball, but he manages to manipulate it once again to his benefit and... Uh, continues his charade of trying to pull the wool over the Jedi and manipulate all of the folks involved. So Yeah, he's super good at that. Really good at it. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's a Sith master, so if he's not good at that, then what is he good at? Sure. But, like, I mean, he's, like, really good at it. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. he's definitely better at it than any of the Jedi are, which kind of makes you think that manipulation isn't a good thing to have in, in your... Uh, Repertoire. No, probably not. Um, the other interesting thing that happens in this is when, um, you know, when the separatists first sort of discover this, uh, Dooku calls um, Palpatine to talk about it and let him know. And um, he gets pretty upset with, uh, like, Palpatine's pretty mad at Dooku. And you can see the fear in Dooku's eyes. And, you, and then Palpatine force chokes him from afar. Um, and it sort of sets up this, it's, it's another thing, it's a little subtle thing. But it sets up the fact that their um, sort of his apprenticeship is not going particularly well, and that you know this is part of why um, Sidious is looking for a new Sith apprentice in Anakin, and maybe already has his eye on him, and so he really doesn't care about training or preserving or helping Dooku in any way. He's kind of like he's he's sort of over it. Yeah, no, I, I mean he he's the Sith master. He. He cares about maintaining his power. He, he doesn't necessarily care about mentoring his apprentice here. No, no. No. And, and does not tolerate failure. Oh, certainly not. So we're going to skip over the disaster that is three episodes involving Clovis. Uh, just the biggest takeaway is 
the marriage between Padme and Anakin are terrible. Like, they just, they should not have gotten married. They should yep. have either separated or come out publicly and said, we're married, take it or leave it. And if he got expelled from the Jedi Order, then he probably would have been better off. So the next more exciting episode is a one-episode arc that talks about Master sifo So tell us where we know that name from. Yeah, so sifo is a name that comes up very briefly in um, episode two when Obi-Wan Kenobi first visits Kamino. Um, the Kaminoans, I'm going to keep saying it that way, the Kaminoans kind of, they say, hey, we haven't had a Jedi here since Master sifo came and placed this order. And Obi-Wan says, wait, sifo he died like 10 years ago. And they're like, yeah, we haven't seen anybody in 10 years. Um, and that's sort of all we ever hear about sifo just that he died and that the Jedi Council did not authorize him to go and have a clone army created. Right. And through the bureaucracy of the Senate, we talked about this when we talked about Attack of the Clones, as we suspect that uh, they were funneling money through uh, the chancellor and the corrupt senators in his pocket. Uh, they were getting the money to the Kaminoans or Kamen. I don't know how you say it, Kevin, the Kaminoans. And basically, you know, they were just going to continue making these clones despite not having any other Jedi coming by to check on the order. Yeah, that's right. And so this one, this story kind of opens with um, the Jedi get uh, finally get a distress signal from the shuttle that uh, was in the possession of sifo when he died, and um, they start investigating. So Anakin and Obi-Wan, as usual, are sent to sort of figure out what's going on, and they run down a few clues. And meanwhile, um, they look in the archive computer, and they find out that records on sifo are locked by the office of the Chancellor. And so Yoda goes to visit Palpatine and has a pretty tense conversation with him. Um, you can clearly see that they don't trust each other anymore. And they're both being like bureaucratically polite to each other, but both really just totally loathe each other and are being unhelpful. And Yoda's side eye is pretty epic. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yoda figures something's going on. But basically what Palpatine tells him is, that was locked before his time, so he goes to visit the previous Chancellor Valorum um, to find out. And it turns out that Valorum Head and sifo were up to a little bit of some shady doings, that um, sifo was negotiating a deal with the Pikes, which are one of the crime families, um, and uh, the Chancellor didn't want the public to know that they were, like, working with a crime family to try to and what he was trying to do was like call, you know cut down on crime violence but um but he basically he didn't want you know the public to know that he had publicly that he was officially uh sending a mission to them so he had the records locked and and whatever and so they they run that down and you know who should show up as just as uh obi-wan and anakin are about to get answers to who killed sifo but sifo is killer himself and who's that Oh, Dooku. Yep. Yeah. It's Dooku. And the reason that we see Dooku here is that we wind up learning that it wasn't just sifo There were allegedly two Jedi who showed up. And so we're trying to figure out who the two, the second Jedi is. We also know that Palpatine's assistant was with him. Valorum's assistant. Or Yeah, Valorum's assistant was with them. And so we're like, what happened to Valorum's assistant? And he's the one who winds up telling everything about the Pike deal. Um, he kind of reminds me of Gollum quite a bit. Yeah, he. I mean, he was a human who had been in prison for what ten, but at least ten or twelve years, um, imprisoned by the Pikes as uh, as an as they say an insurance policy against um, 
the the person that they were dealing with. Um, and it turns out that that is Dooku, who when he shows up, they call him Tyrannus in front of Obi-Wan and Anakin. And this is significant because this is the first time that Obi-Wan and Anakin hear that Dooku is Tyrannus. Tyrannus being a name that they heard before from Jango Fett. Jango Fett told Obi-Wan Kenobi that he was hired by Tyrannus to be the template of the clones. So all of a sudden the Jedi figure out. So they, they you know, there's a fight. Obviously, you know, nobody wins. Tyrannus gets away. Dooku gets away. The Jedi get away. Most of the pikes are fine. I think their prime minister gets killed or something. doesn't matter. Um, but they go back to the Jedi Council and the Jedi Council says, okay, wait a minute. So what you're saying is Sifo-Dyas did order the clone army because he had a premonition through the force that some sort of big bad was about to happen. But he was buddied with Tyrannus. They went together to Kamino. Tyrannus, who is Dooku, hired Jango Fett to be the template. And the Jedi Council now realize that the Sith created the clone army. And that's not great. No, because we got Tyrannus, a.k.a. Dooku, also the leader of the Separatist movement. So why are they playing both sides? Right. And so now the Jedi Council, basically at the very end of this episode, they have a meeting and they're like, okay, so now we figured out that the Sith created both armies and created the war for some reason that we don't really understand. But if the public found out that we were that we were fighting on the side of that, we're all fighting on the side of the Sith, um, there would be a huge backlash against the Jedi and against the Senate and against the Republic. So we're just going to cover Yoda literally says we have to cover this up. Right. And I think it's the right thing to do, but it again just kind of shows why Anakin might be starting to mistrust the Jedi Council. Yeah, because they do a little shot to him and he's kind of got that like, ooh, I don't know about this look, because they said explicitly no one should tell the Chancellor. Now, they still don't know that the Chancellor is the Sith Master, right? So they, they're still in the dark about that. Although at this point, it should be fairly obvious that he's the only person benefiting from this war. So like they're pretty dense to not get there. Right. But I mean, that's what's Sith Lords do is that they like manipulate things they hide the truth sure sure yeah. but like Jedi have like a, a lot of a lot of power and like they're supposed to be smart like Yoda's like 900 he's you know he's seen things think that he'd maybe be able to think this one through but nope nope no yeah no so yeah so now you know and and so this is really what these sort of season six episodes are doing and I know we've got one more segment but they're, they're really setting the stage for both the Jedi starting to get awareness of just what a predicament they're in and setting up more and more that Anakin and others, even Obi-Wan seems kind of uncomfortable with this, and that the Jedi know that they're starting to do ethically gray things because they have lost control of the situation. They don't know what's going on. Right. And I mean, I still maintain that the Jedi were doing ethically gray things from the get-go, but... Um, now they are starting to create mistrust amongst their ranks. And before they were all fairly unified, I would say. Um, maybe they viewed other beings as lesser or, you know, didn't see all of the um, atrocities in the galaxy as being worthy of their attention. But now they are not being honest with the people they're supposed to be being honest with. So... So then we've got two episodes which are terrible. Don't watch them. Um, but they're Jar Jar Binks and Mace Windu. Oh yeah. Yeah, or maybe that happened right before the Sifo Dyas episodes. Doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, but don't watch them. They're they're not great. 
And then the last three episodes of season six, uh, I don't know how to describe it other than it's Yoda's crazy space trip through the Force or Yoda's crazy Force trip through space. Yeah. He goes a bunch of places and sees a bunch of things, and we get a lot of insight into the Force and um, kind of where Yoda's coming from in this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So basically, he hears Qui-Gon Jinn's voice speaking to him. And no one else hears it. He's in the room meditating, and the other Jedi are like, we didn't hear that. What are you talking about? So then Yoda's like, am I going crazy here? And asks for some additional like group meditation. Apparently, they can amplify their meditation powers. Something like that. I don't know. They they group meditate for like a whole day and get nothing. Yeah, I don't all know those guys I, must have been cramped up. Like They're all kneeling. Yeah, they That's were so standing weird. in a really awkward position. It's not like they were all sitting comfortably. They were all, because like I guess they all wanted a hand on Yoda's shoulder, but Yoda's kind of tiny, and so it was a, a very weird, a weird setup. I don't know if you caught the one scene where Yoda is standing outside in the courtyard and he hears Qui-Gon talking to him, and Anakin is walking up, and it looks like he kind of hears him too, but doesn't say anything about it. Yeah. 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 And so um, that's just, I don't, I don't know what to make of that, but it's an interesting little extra bit that uh, Anakin is, is pretty tuned in to, to the Force there. Right, right. So this day-long meditation doesn't work, and then Yoda decides he wants to do this, uh, like, dunk tank meditation thing so what are they called like i know humans can go do it sensory deprivation tank right so they put him they like suspend him in a water tank and like in the darkness and so like all of his senses and and i guess they also medicate him and put him into like a coma so he can super duper meditate or something but anyway he super duper meditates and he is told by the qui-gon voice that this meditate (laughs) he basically says like you're doing this wrong this isn't the way Go to Dagobah. I'll be there for you. So um, when he gets pulled out of the tank, he says, hey, I talked to Qui-Gon again. And the Jedi Council start to think that he's being manipulated by the dark side because they really don't believe that anybody could be alive after death. And so they start to think that Yoda is under the influence of Darth Sidious or some other dark, uh, dark side power. And they basically place him under house arrest in the medical bay. And uh, so he calls for Anakin and says, hey, we're friends. He literally like, he's like, hey, we're friends, right? And Anakin's like, sure. And he goes, okay, I need your help with something. Uh, I need you to break me out. And he's like, what do you mean break you out? You're not in prison. Yeah, but then Yoda's kind of like, well, you're really good at disobeying the rules. And I need to break the rules here. So you're, you're my guy. You're my guy. <laughs> and Anakin's like, fair point, fair point. Yeah. So um, Anakin vouches for Yoda and Yoda totally breaks out. Um, he lends him R2-D2 and a shuttle, and Yoda goes on adventures. So, first he goes to Dagobah, then he goes to this unnamed planet that's, like, the source of all life in the universe, and then he goes to the Sith homeworld of Malachor. So, um, Kevin, walk us through his adventures on these different planets. Yeah, so on Dagobah, he meets Qui-Gon in the form of, like, sparkly light, and, um, Qui-Gon explains to him that there's a difference between the living force and the cosmic force. And the living force is the force that sort of governs all life. And it's the force that they, the Jedi typically perceive. And it is what gives um, living beings sort of their own individual identity. And when a being dies, their force energy joins with the cosmic force, which is the force that rules the, the like kind of bigger aspects of the universe and time and space and gravity and all these kind of things. 
And he says there is a way for you to preserve your identity of the living force even when your body has joined with the cosmic force. And Yoda says, okay, I think I want that. Yeah, let's do that. I want that power. So that sends him to the source of all life planet, which um, where he meets these four floating women, we kind of call them the fates. I think they have some kind of name, but I don't know what they are. But they are basically teachers that take him through some um, various experiences where he faces his fear and he conquers his fear and he learns a bunch of things. And, and he what is his fear? His fear is his own dark side, right? And so when he's first presented with it, he says, I don't recognize you, but he realizes it's, it's growing and it attacks him and it almost defeats him. And he said by denying, he basically by denying it and saying, no, you don't control me, is he able to conquer his dark side? And the lesson for him there was he believed that he didn't have a dark side. And what they wanted him to realize is he does and that he needs to be mindful of it because he was just ignoring it. Fair, fair. So then he goes to the Sith homeworld of Malachor? Yeah, and on Malachor, he first is confronted by the ghost of uh, Darth Bane. And who's Darth Bane again? So Darth Bane is, the, is a thousand-year-old Sith master who invented the rule of two. Um, and was the sort of the victor in the last Sith Jedi War. And Yoda tells him he's not afraid of him, kind of casts him out, and then is able to go in, and he goes through a few more trials. And then in the final piece, um, Darth Sidious and Count Dooku recognize through, because Yoda's on the Sith homeworld, so the Sith, I guess the, the Sith have a connection to that world. They realize Yoda's there, and they do a ritual to sort of uh, interact with Yoda from afar. And Darth Sidious tries to mess with Yoda's mind and corrupt him to the dark side, or at least destroy him in some way. Which is interesting because this is what the Jedi Council originally thought was happening to Yoda. That's right, yeah. It comes so, full circle. Yeah, it comes full circle, and he basically does the very thing that they think that he's trying to do. And in, and in so doing, you know, Yoda witnesses a bunch of things, and he basically has a astral projection-type fight with Darth Sidious, and he sort of foreshadows to him, he in, in this vision that Yoda has, Anakin is kind of backing up Yoda, and Anakin is incapacitated, and Yoda is given a choice. Um, he can either save Anakin or kill Sidious, and Sidious says, you can, stop, you can let him go, and you can stop everything that I'm going to do. You just have to let Anakin die, and Yoda refuses to do that, and in so doing, he saves Anakin, um, but he fails to stop Sidious. And he almost, almost through this vision, reveals who, is, who Sidious's identity is. But he, he doesn't do that. And so Yoda kind of wakes up, and Sidious pulls out of his trance and says, I failed to break Master Yoda. We need to continue our plans. And then the fates tell Yoda, okay, your former buddy Qui-Gon is going to teach you the power to manifest your life after death because you're going to be needed later. And then there's a little piece of voiceover that says there is another Skywalker. And I thought that that was really interesting that they threw that in there as the hint that Yoda is going to be required for the next Skywalker and possibly beyond. Right. And what we also learn about these fates that are flying around is they finally reveal that they are the cosmic force. 
Um, and so th- that's like the physical manifestation of it. And, and so, you know, he doesn't learn that until the very end as well. And so he knows that he's got to continue his training with Qui-Gon. He knows that his continued training will result in him training someone else down the road that is important to bring balance to the force. They also speak about balance. Yes. So, yeah. you know, we, right now we put all our chips all in on Anakin as the virgins to bring balance to the force. And now we find out maybe there is another. That's right. And so, and, and I think what's really important about this, it's a pretty trippy set of episodes, but it's it's some pretty cool Jedi stuff. Um, when he comes back, when Yoda comes back to the Jedi temple, they he talks to Mace Windu and Obi-Wan and they say, what happened out there? And he said, not much and a lot. And he basically, Yoda says to them, they're like, well, did you learn how to, de- to win the war and defeat the Sith? And he said, I no longer think that you can win wars, but I also think that there is still hope that we can win the greater, uh, the greater conflict and bring light back to the galaxy. And so this sort of sets up to me um, in episode three, and we'll talk about this in the next show when we talk about uh, that some of the battles that go on in there when Yoda decides to go into exile it seems very sudden in the movie and I think this sets up really nicely that he's now realized that his time to win is not now his time to win is in the future and it's through someone else and without this little piece of information that whole thing seems very weird right and it's also interesting in that he doesn't feel as though he can trust the other Jedi on the council to tell them about this um, so, you know, between all of the side eye he's given Palpatine, the fact that he's keeping secrets from the Jedi Council, the fact that the Jedi Council is keeping secrets from Palpatine, and that we've got Anakin witnessing all of this. I mean, basically, my big takeaway from this is that you should not hide things from the people who are important to you. So if they're important to you, but you feel you have to hide something from them, then what are you doing or why did you accidentally decide that they are important to you? Yeah, that's a really great point. And I mean, it, you know, and this is sort of true of a lot of stories, but if everybody were just honest with each other about what was going on, um, a lot of the problems that they're having probably wouldn't exist. All of the programs we have ever watched on the CW would not exist. Yes, yeah. that is true. But those, a lot of, of those lives. ones can be solved with cell phones too. Like if people just kept their phones on them, but anyway, that's a whole separate topic. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, really, like, if the Jedi were honest with, you know, at least the people they were loyal to in the Senate, if they were honest with the clone army, if, you know, the Jedi were honest with each other, if, if they just sat down and talked it through and thought about what was going on, if they realized who was trying to deceive them and not, if, you know, all these things, they probably would have figured all this out. But instead, they spend so much time fighting and bickering and, you know, fighting this war the war, I mean, the war was a very effective distraction and it kept the Jedi Council from spending the time that they needed and the calmness and the meditation that they needed to really get to the answers to defeat the Sith. Yeah, the Jedis were supposed to be keepers of the peace and they found themselves being, you know, military personnel and they were taken off of their fundamental mission, which allowed the Sith to continue to rise to power. And secrets and mistrust became the tools of the dark side and the Jedi were incapable of defending themselves against that because they were not doing what they were set out to originally do. Their their main purpose, they were kept away from. Yep. So this is, God, we keep ending on bummers. We do. I, you know, I think the anti-bummer in this case is that this whole Clone Wars show is a, was a really, really, really great um, piece of content 
that really fleshes out an important Star Wars story. I mean, if you really look at, you know, if you look at the whole, you know, main body of Star Wars, it's the nine episodes of the Skywalker saga. And the most crucial part is the fall of Anakin Skywalker. And through all of that, and then, you know, the redemption and then what happens after, but it's really the fall of Anakin Skywalker is sort of the enabling moment that, that lets all of the things happen from the rise of the empire um, through, you know, the fall of the empire and what comes after. And there was this huge gap in the story that, you know, Anakin seemed to go from being, you know, an aggressive uh, and troubled, but, you know, functioning Jedi master to um, all of a sudden being a Sith Lord. And it felt very weird. And this was just a really great piece of uh, Star Wars content that fleshes out that story and the Clone Wars and, you know, and some of the other relationships and characters in it. Um, and so... Like, I think it was really great that this exists and that there's still more to come, right? We're uh, three episodes into season seven, uh, which we're going to talk about at a later time when that whole season is complete. But um, yeah. Yeah, no. And I, I guess I'll bring it all back to relationships uh, because we occasionally talk about that in marriage. Um, you know, in, in our relationship, uh, Kevin and I do a lot of heavy lifting and we do a lot of things that we share and you know, I, I fancy myself being right most of the time. And that said, Kevin, you were right. I was wrong. Uh, this show is pretty incredible. I very much enjoyed all the, not all, but most of the episodes I've watched. I wish that I hadn't made as much fun of you as I did before when you used to watch this without me. So you were right. I was wrong. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's important in a relationship to admit when, you know, your, your partner is, is doing something right or wrong, um, and especially when you were the wrong party. And, you know, I, I might not be wrong again for a very long time, so don't get used to this. <laughs> Probably not. But, you know, th this is my big takeaway from watching this show. Um, is that you know there's there's things that i can learn from my partner and my husband who i love very much oh thanks buddy i love you i know <laughs> <laughs>